Hi there, my name is Pete. This is Social Distancer. Thank you ever so much for listening. So, a very interesting week here. I have had my first jab of the vaccine. I'm going to talk you through that. But first, this. We'll start the we'll start the meeting, and I want to repeat what I said at the beginning of the last meeting that this meeting has not been called according to the law. The law yeah. has been broken. Will you please let the chairman please disrupt this meeting? I will have to remove you from it. You can't. It's only the chairman who can remove people from a meeting. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No authority at all. She's just kicked him out. No, she's kicked him out. Don't, don't. She's kicked him out. Don't. This is a meeting called by two councillors. Illegally. They now elect a chairman. No, they can't because the vice chair's here. I take charge. Uh, Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. (gasps) Dear me. Appalling behaviour. Chairman gone. A copy of this will, in fact, be sent to the monitoring officer. Out of those people... Where's the chairman? Where's the chairman gone? Like to elect a chairman for this meeting. You don't have to elect a chairman. There's a chairman already installed. The chairman of the council. Councillor Burkle, we've been through this. You don't, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. So there's Jackie Weaver and the chairman, and that's become a bit of an internet sensation last couple of days in uh, Britain. Uh, so very enjoyable, and you know it it helps that they're all old Northerners. Uh, it helps a lot that doesn't it? It's like the legal gentleman or something, isn't it? Yeah. Um, now, vaccine. So let me talk through the process. Uh, I'm in category uh, four, group four. I've been shielding, I've got a shielding letter, I've got a rare heart condition, very rare, and quite serious, Um, it's quite unusual. You might be able to hear actually that I'm a bit kind of um, under the weather, a tiny bit, this is an effect of having the vaccine. So I'll I'll walk through what happened, basically it's this local uh, centre very close to where I live, Uh, it's the kind of centre for this part of Devon. And so we went up there, had an appointment, it was very busy. My appointment was for, for uh, 5.45. And at that time, there was a good, probably um, 10 people in line at that time. And, you know, they're doing roughly 500,000 people a day, 400,000 people a day, something like that, on a good day. It does go down to, you know, 300,000 or 200,000 a day per like you know nationwide so i mean this is why you know you've still got kind of queues out of the door um for 10 people so there's no lacking or slacking no lacking or slacking at all uh and it's really you know it goes by uh quite quickly very efficient very well staffed um you know you go in you get your little card that you keep you get some information to give to the nurse and then the nurse asks you some questions um for instance 
do you take blood thinning medication? And I said yes to that. Um, various other things like that. Quite basic things like, you know, are you allergic to anything or have you suffered uh, severe allergies? Uh, that kind of thing, you know, kind of basic screening questions. Um, so, for instance, I said, you know, I, I read this thing beforehand and I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're asking about the, you know, blood thinners. And I wondered, just for a moment, I thought, well, I mean, I've got to tell them that I'm a morphine, for Christ's sake, in case, you know, there is some allergic reaction or just a side effect that I have to this, um, to this vaccine. But for a fleeting moment, I thought, well, maybe I just won't mention the warfarin, you know. But I did mention the warfarin, and you know, of course, it's fine. Like there's millions of people on warfarin. Do you know what I mean? So you just got to kind of say what your status is, and a lot of it is to do with balancing risk as well. So even if there's people who are on like serious blood thinning um, drugs, often it will be the case that it's safer for them to have the uh, COVID vaccine rather than than not have it, yeah? But for me, it's, you know, very kind of standard. I'm on warfarin and it's, you know, within the kind of limits um, in terms of the, you know, the kind of blood thickness or whatever it is. And um, yeah, so that's, you know, just an easy kind of simple screening uh, process. It was a funny atmosphere, like really kind of, nobody was talking to anyone. I was easily like the youngest person there by about 30 years because they're screening people um, 75 or above at the moment. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, everyone, apart from one policeman uh, who was younger than me, everyone else was a good, you know, couple of decades older than me. Um, but I'm kind of used to that, you know, because of my heart condition, you know, <laughs> I'm used to being the youngest person in a ward full of sick men, for instance. I remember very clearly when I was very young, in my early 20s, being on a ward where everyone else was in their late 70s, you know, and um, and I was in my early 20s. So that's just a feature of the heart condition that you kind of sometimes find yourself in these strange cohorts anyway the nurse was very like brilliant she had retired in august and she came back to help out with this and she was great and we had a nice conversation and it was all incredibly safe in terms of covid19 everyone wearing masks obviously everyone social distancing um and then you go outside so that's very simple you know, just a quick jab in the arm, the kind of, um, I don't know what the, is it the deltoid muscle? Maybe it's not the deltoid muscle, but it's the muscle in the top of the arm. Very easy, doesn't hurt at all. And then you go out and for this setup where I am, your 15 minutes of observation time is in a, um, in a, a, a marquee outside. So you sit there and it's very well, like it's totally timed, you know, by to the minute. And somebody's there just kind of like watching the clock and telling you to go when your 15 minutes is up. And then that's it. And then that night, then my arm, so this was yesterday I had this, uh, Thursday. Uh, you know, I had the jab around about, 
probably about six o'clock or something, maybe a bit after six o'clock, maybe 6.15, because I was waiting in the line to get into the building. And then in the building, obviously, then there's a line all the way to the desk. So, so all in all, there's probably about maybe 25 people in the line, I'd say, to the desk, or maybe 20 people or so. And about half of the line was outside, if you see what I mean. Um, and then in the, uh, and then they've got three or four vaccinators. So you can see that, that you know, each uh, kind of time with the nurse is, you know, less than five minutes. So you can see how, you know, they get hundreds through there, you know. And obviously this is quite a smaller one compared to some of the other ones around around the country. But you can see, you know, if they start at whatever time, nine o'clock or even 8.30 or whatever, you can see that they're going to get hundreds of people through the doors. So the chat with the nurse was really nice. And then you go outside and very straightforward. So that night, yeah, my arm started to hurt a little bit. Not too bad, but then I got a, quite a, well, not a bad headache, but just a bit of an irritating headache. I couldn't really get to sleep, so I took a paracetamol. And then only then did I realize, did I remember this thing that I'd been told, I think John Campbell, Dr. John Campbell has done a video about this a couple of weeks ago, whereby he spoke about fevers. It's, it's good to let fevers basically take their course. And it, what that does is that that makes sure that the immune system is doing what the immune system is supposed to be doing, rather than kind of dampening down the effects of the immune system by taking uh, drugs. Now, taking drugs will make you feel better, like it will make your headache go away, but the immune system also is being suppressed very slightly by, like, I, I literally took one paracetamol, so very slightly. But the idea is that if you've had a vaccination which is triggering your immune system, hence the, you know, sore arm and the headache and also a bit of a kind of bunged up nose and also this like now and all day today I've felt quite tired I mean I've worked all day and you know I haven't really kind of changed anything in terms of what I do every day <laughs> but I do feel like I'm kind of just a little bit under the weather you know and I'm not purposefully not taking any, any other um you know whatever uh paracetamol or whatever I've got brain fog as well um, because you know I want the immune system to kind of be as robust as possible and uh, to build up the immunity to COVID-19 as quick as possible so that takes about two to three weeks the nurse said that I can go back to work in three weeks time so that's good because that corresponds well I mean we've still got lockdown here in England obviously so it may be that I'm not needed back at work, but certainly for my partner who works in a school, she's going to go back after half term and she's been working at home because of me. And she also is getting her um, vaccine next week as well. So even though she's going back before the, um, you know, kind of full uh, three weeks or two and a, or two, two to three weeks uh, immune buildup, uh, goes by for her it will be day 17 for me so quite close to day 21 cl quite close to you know three weeks so she'll go back two and a half weeks into my immunity 
obviously taking massive precautions and going into a situation where everyone will have, all of the adults will have been vaccinated already. So it's like, it feels really good. It feels really positive, obviously. And although I sound a bit like out of it, that's just because the immune system is working. And now, so a couple of things. Number one, um, I don't know when the next jab is going to be. So I'm not fully vaccinated, obviously, because I've just had one of two doses. And the second dose will be in within the next, um, you know, 12 uh, weeks. I don't know when, but at some point in the next 12 weeks. And the side effects from the second dose are commonly quite a lot worse, like 24 hours or 48 hours of a fever, a headache, basically feeling really crap. And the thing to do then, of course, is to try not to take anything to suppress the immunity, because that's the that's your, your immune system working, yeah, basically. And if you've got any questions about this, then watch Dr. John Campbell's video about it a couple of weeks ago. That's vague, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and also the other thing as well is that immediately um, you have this sense of invulnerability, which is kind of extraordinary. And I knew that, um, that like, I knew before I had the jab yesterday that there's this phenomena that happens when people uh, have their first dose Loads and loads of people um, get COVID-19 immediately afterwards, like in the eight days after getting their first dose, loads of people get COVID-19. And the reason for this is because they think that they're invincible, okay? And even though I knew that, there isn't, like it's quite difficult to stop that sense that you're protected. Even though you know that you're not protected, and I'm still not gonna be protected in three weeks, obviously, because I've only had one jab. And then within that then, so there's all of the conventions that we've got used to, wearing masks, washing hands, you know, ventilation, social distancing, all of that really matters. And if I go back to work at some point, well, like well, when I go back to work, I should say, um, I will be wearing a mask and I will be social distancing and all the rest of it. Now, whether I need to do that three weeks after the second jab, well, you know, time will tell. We'll see where, we'll see where we are. We'll see what the advice is then. But certainly the advice now is to do all of those things that we do every day anyway. Yeah, wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance, and be outside or in ventilated spaces inside. And that won't change just because I've had the first dose. And I know all that, you know, obviously I know all that. But even I had this sense of thinking, oh my God, I'm invincible. Like I'm fucking, I've done it. I've got the cure, you know? <laughs> like this very weird thing. I mean, I didn't exactly go down to Tesco and start, you know, licking the bloody shopping trolleys, but that very odd sense of I'm okay, I'm not gonna get it. And certainly as time goes on, I anticipate that that feeling will just grow, just grow, um, grow. Um, especially when, you know, I get over this uh, kind of side effects thing, hopefully in the next few days. And when the um, immunity does build up to a point whereby statistically it, get, it will get to the stage in a couple of weeks 
whereby it's basically impossible for me to die from COVID-19, you know? And then that's that's where you want to be, basically. You, you want to be protected from death. Do you know what I mean? And I don't mind getting ill. I mean, I've been ill in the past. I couldn't care less whether I get ill. But I don't want to die. I definitely don't want to die. And I don't want to be on a fucking ventilator, you know? And I don't really want to be in hospital. So a kind of mild illness, I'm kind of worth like that. That's fine in a way. Of course, you know, having said that, that I'd rather not have a mild illness. But, you know, living nearly a year now with that sense that if I get it, I'll die. That kind of massive, you know, um, uh, problem. What's that word that begins with E? Like life, uh, ch- life threatening, um, you know that word, existential, existential uh, problem is kind of like fizzing away, you know, very slowly, but certainly surely it's going away. It's diluting this existential crisis that I've been in, you know, since March. So that's nice, isn't it? And of course, I'm going to keep the fucking mask on my face because I don't want long COVID. I don't want COVID at all. But there's a big difference psychologically knowing that if you get something, then you're going to be ill for a couple of days, if at all, because the vaccine is a vaccine and it does protect you from COVID-19, you know. Um, So even people that get it often are like don't even know they got it, you know, if they have the vaccine. So there's a huge difference between that and basically knowing that you're going to die and having it in writing from your cardiologist, you know, you've basically got to stay inside, you know. So a huge, huge, huge day. And um, hopefully, like I say, these side effects will, will go. But if you are going to get the vaccine soon, then, you know, please... Uh, obviously do all of the things that we are doing to protect ourselves and um, yeah I can see a way out of it it's amazing it's really a game-changing situation the A's are 50 the nays are 50 the Senate being equally divided the vice president votes in the affirmative and the concurrent resolution as amended is adopted That was uh, the moment Vice President Kamala Harris issued her tie-breaking vote to approve President Biden's budget resolution plan for 2021. The Senate was split 50-50. As you saw, uh, no Republicans voted yes. So included in that debate is the COVID relief stimulus plan and the check. So here's where we stand with that this morning. Biden wants to give $1,400 on top of the $600 that was given out back in December. Republicans are countering, though, with just $1,000 checks. There are also some reports that senators on both sides of the aisle want to give less money to people who make over 50,000 and couples who make more than a grand or 100 grand rather a year. And that report also says people making more than 75,000 and couples over 150,000 would get no money. No final decision though on checks was made overnight. The goal is to have approval by March deadlines for expiring jobless benefits and other aid. So there's Kamala Harris giving the deciding vote, 51 to 50 for the Democrats, for the American Rescue Plan, which includes checks for $1,400 for 
for uh, quite a lot of Americans, the cutoff point is still being discussed, as um, you know they they talk about in that news clip. The idea is that you know a lot of people get uh, one thousand four hundred. Uh, dollars to add to the $600 that was already sent out uh, a couple of months ago. So um, that's really good and also lots of money in that uh, plan for vaccinations and for schools and they're trying to get the minimum wage uh, up um, to $15 an hour. Whether that stays in there in the in the bill is a big question. Um, but you know it's an ambitious it's 1.9 trillion dollars <laughs> so it's pretty ambitious stuff um, and you know it's on to the next stage and after that um, Biden gave a very kind of bullish uh, press conference whereby he said you know this is going to happen and I'm not going to wait for ages for the Republicans to get on board because I don't need to basically so hopefully it won't be watered down too much with amendments and stuff. Um, now also, uh, just looking to Britain now, with COVID, uh, you know, incidents are coming down, pre prevalence is coming down. Uh, it's been a good week in terms of, you know, all of the indicators. Deaths are falling now, hospitalizations are falling, people in ICUs are going down, but slowly. And they're still vastly above the kind of winter norms. And one thing with ICUs as well is to remember that uh, although it never breached capacity, it's always even in the busiest places up in the kind of late 90s, like 95, 96% capacity. What you need to remember is that they've uh, added to the capacity. They've massively expanded their capacity in hospitals and created new ICU wards. They've like you know put them everywhere basically. In you know normal wards have been turned into ICU wards. Operating theatres have been turned into ICU wards. Even meeting rooms, like areas of the um, hospitals that aren't used for medical purposes, are being turned into ICU wards. So uh, you know it's good that things are kind of turning around and coming down very slowly but still the pressure on the NHS is there and is very real and very alive and still we have this ridiculous government who are just you know fucking unbelievable incredible that we still haven't got quarantine sorted for people that are coming back from anywhere like any country like Australia New Zealand countries that have successfully dealt with COVID-19 you know, by and large, I know that Australia, Australia is a big, a big place, you know, with, you know, millions of people living there and they've been incredibly successful. And obviously there's outbreaks here and there, but they've been incredibly successful compared to, um, well, you know, lots and lots of countries, but especially the UK. Um, we've got roughly the same amount of cases that Germany have got in the UK, but Germany have got roughly 50,000 people dead, whereas we've got you know, upwards of 100,000 people dead. So that's, you know, double the amount of um, people living in Germany who have died from COVID-19, even though the case number is more or less the same. Uh, so we fucked up royally and we're still fucking up. You know, it's apparently now they're promising that this quarantine eventually will get in. 
and start on the 15th of February. Um, they've got an ambitious target now for uh, all 50-year-olds and above to be vaccinated or at least to have their first shot of the vaccination um, by May, which is, you know, if that happens, that's excellent. That's half the population of the UK. And they are, you know, I don't praise this government ever, but I will say that the vaccination, um, you know, situation, the rollout of the vaccination has been excellent. I mean, there's no question about that. It has been excellent. So, you know, credit where credit is due. And it looks like it's the one thing that they haven't uh, fucked up on. (laughs) That's as far as my, um, you know, credit to the government goes, you know. But always, always we need to remember that the the kind of king ping, the kingpin of all this uh, fucking around is the sausage himself. And it's a year ago uh, when he made that speech in Greenwich. I don't know if you remember that, but he was this ridiculous speech. It was the first time he ever publicly publicly acknowledged COVID-19. And it was this speech to a bunch of fucking you know, financial people, bankers or people in the finance industries. And he was basically saying, you know, there needs to be like coming off of um, the Brexit, get Brexit done campaign and coming off of uh, Brexit, although, of course, they were still in the transition at that point. um, You know, he was he had a bit of lead in his pencil and he gave this ridiculous speech where he said there needs to be one country who, no matter what happens, uh, hangs on to the belief that people can go about their daily business buying and selling from each other. And, you know, no coronavirus is going to get on our way. We're going to come out of the, uh, of the, um, what was it called? The place where Superman gets dressed? Uh, The telephone booth. Um, supercharged he's going to supercharge the economy and you know of course we are not yet at the year point where it's like a couple of weeks later where he said oh I was in hospital with a couple of people of coronavirus and I shook their hands (laughs) so right from the very beginning and still now you know the vaccine okay great that's congratulations on the vaccine but still now there are so many areas where they are, um, you know, effing up. Um, even Dido Harding now, that incompetent goose, has said that the reason why people aren't quarantining, like self-isolating when they've got COVID-19 is because financially it's they're incapable of doing it. Like even now she's admitted it, like at long last, you know. Uh, vitamin D, old, um, what's his name? Matty Hancock has ordered another review, crazy. Include and so this is off the back of yet more evidence that Dr. John Campbell talks about. So in a recent video, more evidence that links, um, you know, a decline in vitamin D in your uh, system with uh, exposure to COVID and kind of serious, you know, implications if you get COVID. Whereas if you are stocked up on vitamin D that it actually acts as a preventative to COVID-19. I mean, it's extraordinary. I've been saying for ages now, you know, take your vitamin D tablets, and I hope everyone listening here is. Anyway, this week, 
uh, a titan, an absolute legend, a very old man, but a, a you know a man that I have for a long time now have admired, uh, died, Christopher Plummer. Here he is in uh, the Michael Mann classic, by the way, The Insider. Where's the rest? Where the hell's the rest? Nebraska football fans voice their criticism. You cut it! You cut the guts out of what I said. It was the time consideration, Mike. Bullshit! You corporate lackey. Who told you your incompetent little fingers have the requisite skills to edit me? I'm trying to band-aid a situation here, and you're too dim to... Mike. Mike. Mike? Mike! Try Mr. Wallace. We work in the same corporation doesn't mean we work in the same profession. Now, what, what are you going to do now? You're going to finesse me, lawyer me some more? I've been in this profession in 50 fucking years. You and the people you work for are destroying the most respected, the highest rated, the most profitable show on this network. Episode 209. I hope you enjoyed it. Things are looking rosy. Things are looking dandy. Things are looking up, up, up. Get your vaccine, get your vaccine. If you can, get a vaccine on a Friday because you might need Saturday to recover. Especially shot too, but hey, that's bloody months away, isn't it? Yeah. Now, um, coming up is um, literally three and a half minutes of Lost Season 5 because I can't remember much. And, oh, I'm watching The Shield, which is brilliant. Oh, nobody's talking about The Shield. What's The Shield, man? It's fucking great. Anyway, um, right, let's think of the Kingfisher. Beautiful bird, beautiful bird, beautifully named bird, the Kingfisher. Wow, we imagine being called the Kingfisher. One, two, three, walk between the raindrops. Have a lovely weekend. Take care of yourself. See you later. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Lost Season 5, what can I remember? Uh, Not much. Basically, it's the time-travelling episodes, uh, time-travelling season. It's a pretty good one. Uh, The most intriguing thing about this season is the character of Lost. Lost, we find out at the end of Season 4, is dead in his coffin. And he comes back to the island and um unbelievably like in the coffin and unbelievably he starts he's basically he's alive again 
but it's unclear as to whether it is lost or whether it's someone else whether it is lost whether it is Locke or whether it's someone else and at the time this character that was kind of inhabiting Locke uh, was called Fake Locke or Flock and I think this is an absolutely genius idea so essentially there was a kind of um, like malevolent force that uh, uh, appeared to others as well like turned into a smoke monster okay this the famous smoke monster of lost killed lots of people did lots of damage a column of black smoke that moved like Jackie Chan basically yeah so a kind of you know disaster for anyone that got in the column of black smoke's path and when John Locke's body turns up dead the column of black smoke um, basically takes over that body and so the the um, disembodied power within the black smoke now had a body to walk around the island and talk and scheme and plan and I think that was a tremendous idea absolutely brilliant I think it's uh, influenced a lot of um, people I, I think it's influenced um, the OA for instance and I think it's influenced other stories as well um, can't think of any but it's a great idea basically like you know and so but there's a big kind of uh, dilemma in the people's heads the other characters heads whether to trust this essentially lockers from their point of view you know kind of come back to life you know do you trust that or do you not uh, how is it different this uh, how is lock different now uh, it's very interesting great show and good season leads up to season six i think four five and six are my favorite uh, there's lots of fun stuff in uh, with the time traveling um you, we've got uh this kind of crazy idea that old uh, what's his name as um what's his name the, the the guy that i like the guy with the beard daniel faraday daniel faraday he's got this idea that if you explode in a nuclear bomb at this particular place this particular hole where there's lots of um, energy build up then it will kind of reset everything um, so it's very exciting and anyway uh, next season is season six uh, maybe um, the best season of all of them uh, it's quite interesting season so anyway that's next week